so excited that you're here with us. Uh, I think it's so cool that even though we're not physically together, we can still worship together. Uh, so do what you got to do, turn the volume up, and sing along with us.
a welcome home. At the moment, we are inviting you into our building like we normally do. You're inviting us into your living room. That's a big deal. I don't take that lightly. Whatever format you're watching this on, there should be a place for you to comment, and we would love for you to just comment and see. We'd like to see where you're from. Just say hello. Let us know that you're a part of this, because we really are in this together. If you'd like someone to pray with you or you have a prayer request, all you have to do is put that in the comments, and somebody can respond to you. They can get back to you. They can do that even in a private message, and we can make sure that uh, we pray for you. There's a buzzword that we're hearing a lot about these days, and it's social distancing. And as people are moving farther apart for safety reasons, we need to draw the church in. We need to draw those in who are looking for hope and peace. So if that's you today, if you are disconnected, if you need engagement, that's what we're here for. It's like the Apostle Paul in the Bible He wanted to be together with his church family. He loved them. He longed to be with them. But he was in prison. He was in chains. And he couldn't physically be with them. So he writes in 1 Corinthians 5.3, among many other places, he writes this, I am not there with you in person, but I am with you in spirit. See, we're together, at least in spirit. And we're aided today by this technology that we can feel a little bit more together, a little bit closer. We as a church have talked about multi-site for many years. We've worked on many of the details throughout the years. Apparently, multi-site for us is now. There are many, many sites live right now in living rooms and kitchens all over. So we're all together and we're connected by this. It's been in our DNA from the very beginning to be a spiritual refuge for hurting people, helping people find true north on this journey called life. We've done that for almost 13 years now, using over 15 different locations. And I guess now we truly are journey north anywhere. We don't know when and how everything will turn out. Here's what we do know. This too shall pass. It always does. I'd like to share something with you. Um, We're in the middle of this pandemic, and we don't know when it will end, and we think this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I just want to give you a little bit of perspective. I'm going to read some of the things that have happened in the past. 5,000 years ago, 3,000 B.C., a village in China was wiped out by a pandemic. Thousands of people died. In 430 B.C., there was a thing called the Plague of Athens, and some estimate that the death toll was 100,000 people. We look at the Antonine Plague in 165 to 180 A.D. They estimate over 5 million people in the Roman Empire were killed, probably smallpox. And then there's the plague of Cyprian in A.D. 250. This was named after a guy named St. Cyprian. He's a bishop, and it's funny because this is a long time ago. He describes this epidemic as signaling the end of the world. It estimated that it killed 5,000 people a day in Rome alone. 
And then in A.D. 541, the plague of Justinian. Some estimate that up to 10% of the world's population died. We move ahead a little bit into the 1300s, and there was the Black Death. Traveled from Asia to Europe, leaving destruction in its wake. Some estimate that it wiped out over half of Europe's population. And right about now you're thinking, well, gee, I'm glad I tuned in here, Tim, to hear the good news today. I just want to put things in perspective a little bit. In 1500, there was an epidemic in Mexico and Central America killed 15 million people. There was, in 16th century, the American plagues. Uh, uh, Eurasian diseases brought over by the explorers and from America or to America by the Europeans, they brought things like smallpox. And some people estimate 90% of the indigenous population in the Western Hemisphere was killed off. The Great Plague of London in 1665 and 66, that was the Black Death's last major outbreak in Great, Great Britain. By the time this plague ended, 100,000 people, including 15% of the population of London, had died. And just when they thought it couldn't get any worse, as the plague started to get better, the Great Fire of London started, lasting for four days and burned down a large portion of the city. So it could be worse. The plague of Marseille lasted three years and as many as 100 people died there alone, 30% of the population. The Russian plague killed as many as 100,000 people. The Philadelphia yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia killed 5,000 people in 1793. The flu pandemic killed over a million people in the late 1800s. The American polio epidemic in 1916, 27,000 cases and 6,000 deaths in the United States. The Spanish flu at the beginning of 1900s, in 1918 to 1920, it's estimated that 500 million people died from that plague. The Asian flu in, in 57 and 58 took more than a million lives. The H1N1 swine flu, bringing it more into our current time, 2009, 2010, affected as many as 1.5 billion people, and they're not sure. Somewhere between 151,000 and 500,000 people died in that. The Zika virus epidemic is still going on today since, since 2015, and they're not even sure how to stop that with the mosquitoes and everything. So we look at that, and, and we see those, and I, I'm not doing that to depress you. I'm doing that to show you that, number one, it could be worse. But everybody, when they went through those things, thought, this is the end. This is the end of the world. It wasn't the end of the world. It was the end of the way they knew things, and things change after that. Um, and in our situation, we know that this too will end, but we also know that the rubber band may not come back all the way. It may not come back the same way. After events like this, often much changes. But we believe it can be changed for good. So in the meantime, God doesn't want you distanced from Him, socially or any other way. I know many of you are experiencing fear and doubt and stress and anxiety over all this. In a relationship with God, through Jesus, your fear can be calmed. It tells us in Psalm 34:4, I prayed to the Lord. You have that connection with Him. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me, freeing me from all my fears. Doesn't that sound good? That's his offer. I want to share with you briefly today a psalm that my guess is hundreds of pastors across this country are talking about this today. It's been 
Um, I believe this passage has been claimed by so many people over the years, and rightly so, and can be claimed by us today as well. Psalm 91. We're going to look at a few verses in Psalm 91. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You see, this is about a connection with God. We live in His shelter. We find rest in Him. He says in verse 2, This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He is my place of safety. He is my God. And I am trusting Him. You see the closeness and the trust that he talks about here. He says, verse 3, For He will rescue you, the psalmist says, from every trap, and this is interesting, and protect you from the fatal plague. See, even back then, they had the same fears, the same worries, the same concerns, and, and God said, you can trust me. And the psalmist knew that. In verse 4, he says this. This is kind of weird. If this wasn't in the Bible and somebody said this, you'd say, this is, this is kind of weird. He will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. And I think, yeah, that's kind of weird. But not being a farm boy, I have seen now that I've been here for 20 years, I have seen the, the chickens gathering the chicks and the hen putting her feathers around them and protecting them and watching them. And, and that's been an incredible picture for me. I also think, when I think of chicken, when we lived in Big Lake, a uh, little girl was sitting at the dinner table, and she looked at us, and she looked at her food, and she looked at us, and she says, isn't that funny? And we said, what? And she said, there's a food named chicken and an animal named chicken. And it was kind of a difficult discussion after that, but you get it. But when we talk about him sheltering us with his feathers, he does get a little bit manly, too. And then he says, his faithful promises are your armor. And they're your protection. They're that steel shield around us. And as we get to know him better, we learn that we can trust him. Verse 5 says, do not be afraid of the terrors at night, nor, the, nor fear the dangers of the day. And we have to recognize, he's not saying there aren't terrors in the night. He's not saying there aren't dangers in the day. He's saying, we don't have to be afraid of those things. And then wait for it. Look what he says next. We don't have to dread the plague that stalks in darkness or the disaster that strikes at midday. What we're seeing in our world today is very real. It's very dangerous. We have to do what we need to do. But at the same time, we don't have to dread it. Verse 7 says, Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, and I pray that we don't get to that point, but he said, these evils will not touch you. He, can pro he protects us. He says, but you will see it with your eyes. You'll see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, he says, if you make the Most High your shelter, you see, it's all about our connection to Him. When we have that personal relationship with Him, He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our shelter. He says in verse 10, when we do that, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your dwelling. God can get us through these things. In verse 11, it says, He orders His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Now, some of you say, that sounds familiar. 
That's because this passage was quoted in the New Testament. And do you know who quoted this passage? Satan. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan came to him, and this is one of the things he said. He said, um, he quoted this and said, this is about you, isn't it, Jesus? That his angels are guarding you, and you're not going to even strike your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded with God's word, but this promise to him was a promise to us as well. And the promise is, he will watch over us and protect us. Does it mean we'll never encounter any difficulties? No, because we grow through difficulties. He does say in verse 13, you will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Now he's talking about a lot of things that can happen to us. He's not saying to be flippant and to jump in the lion's den and start grabbing snakes. He's not saying that. He's saying He can protect us and He can bring us through these things. He says in the next verse, I will rescue those who love Me. That means sometimes we need rescuing. And He will rescue us. I will protect those who trust in My name. And again, He's emphasizing our relationship to Him. Loving Him. And trusting Him. He says, when they call on Me, I will answer. And I I want you to personalize that. When I call on Him, He will answer. He said that. Here's His answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. See, the whole thing is God being with us. Right in the middle of all of it. In the trouble. He doesn't say He'd take you out of all the trouble, but He will be with you in it. He'll rescue you and He'll honor you. And that's very important because um, we have a lot of pride in our country, in our world. Proud, the proud people will fall. God says He lifts up the humble. He, he exalts the humble. When we're humble and call on Him, because we know it's not possible for us to fix the situation we're in, it says He will honor us. He will honor that humility and lift us up. And He ends this psalm by saying, I will satisfy them with a long life and give them my salvation. Now, that doesn't mean when you have that relationship with God, you'll live to be 150 years old. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we're guaranteed to be really, really old. Here's what it could mean. It could mean that you will live longer than you would have otherwise. But I like to look at it like this. My life is going to be really long. You know how long? Millions of years. Because my life doesn't end when this body dies. I go on and it says He gives them His salvation. I have God's salvation. And we can know that during tough, uncertain times, what will get us through is other people that we connect with and our relationship with Jesus. It's not just church or religion or rules or regulations. It's a relationship with Jesus. The one that Psalm was talking about. I'd like to invite you, even where you're at and where you're sitting right now, whether it's around your kitchen table and your home and your lazy boy and your comfort, it doesn't matter. You're looking at your phone, you're watching your TV, you're looking at your computer screen. If you don't know Jesus personally, I would like to invite you to invite Him into your life today. To have that kind of relationship with Him that that psalmist talked about. To be close to Him. And you can just say to Him, say, Jesus... I believe that you came and lived and died for me. But it's not some out there fact. I'm trusting that you did that for me. And I'm turning to you today.
for my salvation. And for those of you who have already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, you can say to Him, I'm trusting you today. I'm going to love you. I'm going to trust you. I know that this situation we're going through is not bigger than you. You see, we will grow during this time. And I'm not just saying that because I know some of you are eating all the snacks that you stockpiled up for the quarantine. (laughs) We're going to grow in big ways because we always grow through difficult times and through trials. So if you're going through this and it's a difficult time and you've never called on Jesus, I would invite you to do that today. And if you do that, please let us know that. Do it in the comments, email us, text us, however you need to get that information to us. We're in this together. We want to help you. We want to work with you through this. Um, we, we want to be a part of your story. So let us know that, even in the comments, so that we can, we can help you. If you need a Bible, we can get you a Bible. Many people have said that they're having watch parties. They're getting together. It's like the Netflix or the Facebook thing. They have watch parties. They get together. Sometimes physically, they get together. They all sit in the same room and watch it. And sometimes they're online watching it, but commenting back and forth. That's kind of technically what we're doing right now. So um, we're having people together, and I'm getting together with you in the way that we can do that right now. You see, during this, we need to be the church. It's not about going to church anymore, we're, at least for the moment. We need to be the church. The church needs to be extremely generous at this time. I'm going to tell you, um, we don't talk about this a lot here, but I'm going to say this because I had the question asked a lot. If I'm not coming to church, how can I give? So if you're a guest, if you're a visitor, if you're not part of Journey North Church, this isn't for you. This is for those who call Journey North home in their family. There's a number of ways to give. Where you're watching right now, there will be a link that says giving, online giving. Um, if you're watching via journeynorthchurch.online.church, um, if you're on the, there's a link for that. If you're on your phone, you might have to click the menu. You can also, we have text to give. But you can just text the word give to 320-318-8777. When you do that, it will give you instructions on how to do that. That's actually the safest and most secure way in this time to be able to give. You can also do your, your um, giving on um, uh, by check or by bill pay or something like that. Just cash is not the way to do it during this time. So just a word of advice on there. So isolation is what we're doing a lot of because we're required to. Isolation might be good in the physical realm right now. But because of this crisis, but it's not good in the spiritual realm. It's not good for us to isolate because we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We're better together. And we need engagement together. You see, the church has left the building. But what that means is we get to go out and be the church. I've heard so many stories, and I'm hoping to hear many more, of people just being the church. We want to do that as a church. That's why, that's why we do the things we do, because of the love that we have for people. But the church can be the church in so many different ways. You could call somebody who maybe you know is a little bit more vulnerable. Maybe they need help getting groceries. Maybe they need you to run to the store and get something for them. Maybe they just need a phone call a couple times a week to make sure you're okay. Are you hurting? Is there anything I can pray for you with? And just right over the phone, do that with them. And connect with them and be that source of encouragement for them. Whatever, whatever need comes, just say yes to Jesus in that. You have, many of you have many, much extra time 
during this. So we need to be redeeming this extra time that we find ourselves with by helping and serving and by being generous. Many of us, uh, many of you have, uh, you're like at home as a family, like you haven't been in a while. This unexpected family time, it's a precious gift. Maybe it doesn't feel like it at the moment, but it's an opportunity for you to make memories and make an impact. So all of these things to say, we don't have to fear. We can make the best of it because we have Jesus. So I would just like to, I'm going to close in prayer and I just like to say, I'll see you soon. I may not see you in person, but I'll see you soon. And again, next week here at 9 and 10.30. But let, let me pray. Let me pray with you and for you. Father, as people all over this nation and probably all over the world are doing, we're doing things a little differently. But we thank you for the opportunity to do this, for the technology to do that, for the people who are willing to put in the extra time for those who are willing to give extra to, to make sure this kind of thing can happen. We've seen in the last couple of weeks, we've seen so many people turn their lives over to Jesus to see their life change, to see the fear start to fade because of the love that you offer them. And so help us, Father, during this time that we can't be the church here together on Sundays, that we would be the church all week in a community that desperately needs to see that hope and that encouragement and that faith. So we thank you, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're going to close together by worshiping together in a final worship song. Thank you. Yeah.
out of darkness, light arrives in heaven opens. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe that change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, you scatter darkness. Light arrives in heaven opens. Holy Spirit. 